Hi guys, welcome back to On About Bar, hosted by me, Christopher Menning, and this episode 29 is with the fantastic Holly Graham. Holly is a really big player in the Asian drink scene. She's been part of some incredible projects and is most known for being the managing editor of Drink Magazine. Now, not only has Drink Magazine been shortlisted recently for the Spirited Awards, uh, is in the top four of her category, Holly has also been recently ranked number 26 on the Bar World 100, a list of the world's most influential figures in the bar industry. So firstly, a big congrats to Holly and thank you for joining me on the show. It was a really great insight to hear about her journey through Asia, uh, her time working at The Old Man, and her time writing about the Asian drink scene and the cocktail culture here. So as always, guys, if you do like the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave me a five-star review or subscribe. And also, this is a really good opportunity for me to say, go back and listen to other episodes. There is no particular order you have to listen to them all. Each one is about the person who I'm talking to and about their journey into the industry. And I think it's pretty cool to hear about these people, you know, and how they got into it. So, yeah, once again, thanks a lot, guys. Subscribe. Uh, Please give us a share. And really enjoy this episode hearing about Holly Graham, the managing editor of Drink Magazine. Enjoy. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Guys, welcome back to On The Back Bar Podcast. I hope you're all well. We have a very special guest today. It is Holly Graham from Drink Magazine. Um, Holly, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, uh, all things considered. I think that's just become my, my standard answer in 2020. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, before we go anywhere, I just want to say big congratulations uh, to you guys for getting shortlisted for the Spirited Awards. How does that feel? Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, like it feels amazing. Obviously, we're super humbled, um, but it's sadly frustrating in a way because, you know, everything's different this year because of coronavirus. Mm. Um, and I was at Tails last year. And I was like, damn it, if we'd have been top four last year, I could have, you know, got fancy and gone to the ceremony. Um, and <laughs> yep. this year is all online. So I think for, you know, for Hong Kong time, I'll be tuning in at around 10.30 p.m. So, yeah, I haven't decided where or how I'm going to view it yet because the rest of my team is in Shanghai um, and it's just me here. So I think we're all going to Zoom on. I'm going to have to have two computers or something, Zoom on you know, to the, the ceremony and then Zoom with my team as well. So we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, good luck. We're rooting for you for sure. So um, usually what I do from all my guests is to ask them to start with a bit about themselves and how they got into the career history and yeah, just really a bit about you. So 
here's your five minutes of fame. We'd love to hear about your career and what brought you to Drink Magazine. Okay. Uh, I don't know if five minutes is enough. You'll have to cut me up. <laughs> no I, I, I <laughs> so um, I'm originally from London um, and I left the UK um, at around 23. Um, long story short, I graduated into the 2008 recession, which seems like nothing compared to 2020. I think of kids graduating now and I'm like, well, they've got right. much bigger. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, things were just a bit slow. I was living with my mum. It was expensive in London. I was trying to be, I wanted to be a scriptwriter and or producer. Um, so, you know, I was sort of a runner getting paid pennies, um, commuting 45 minutes to Soho back to East London where I'm from every day. And it just got a bit much. And then I guess it was a blessing in disguise, but I got made redundant, which at 21 really sucked because you think, oh, I've been at university um, and all that doesn't really matter, you know. So anyway, I kind of messed around in a few little jobs um, and found myself teaching English in Thailand because I wanted to get out of the UK. I'd got bitten by the travel bug from a little bit of backpacking before um, and taught English in rural Thailand for about a year. Um, which then took me to South Korea um, in Seoul and then I was there for two years and then got to Hong Kong um, and basically in Hong Kong you have to be a pretty you know highly qualified teacher to teach in the government schools here so I ended up at a language center which I really didn't like because I was teaching I use the word teaching here very generously I was okay. teaching you know six months to two-year-olds so oh, was more of a qualified babysitter and I don't even like kids. So I sort of took a step back and was like, what am I doing? Um, and I basically started freelancing um, and just, you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm sure for those listening who've worked in media, you just know you have to work for free. It's crazy. So I just wrote for free as much as I could, built up my portfolio um, and was really fortunate that a job at Time Out um, as the food and drink editor came up and I got it like, you know, and you always think, oh, I really wish someone would take a chance on me just because my CV is not very good. And they did. And I'm super grateful. Again, got paid pennies for that. That's probably why they gave me the job because I was <laughs> accepted such a poor pay. Um, but yeah, I was there for about three years. Um, and I'd met Theo Watt, the founder of Drink, um, in about, I think, 2016. Uh, we were at um, Union Trading Co. in Shanghai. And someone introduced us and we were both very, very drunk and he said, you know, I need a writer to freelance me in Hong Kong. And I was like, I love drink. Drink was always like my dream job, you know, because as much as I did enjoy my time at Time Out, it got a little bit consumery, like, you know, the sort of top 10 dim sum in Hong Kong articles. I got a bit sick of that. Um, so the dream was to always go trade side. And yeah, fast forward to, you know, I left Time Out. Um, and then that's when I started working for that old man. And the drink team got in touch with me and said, look, are you still, are you still free? And I said, yep. Yeah. And here we are three years, three years later, almost three years later. So yeah. And I wouldn't change a thing. It took me a long time to get here, but I'm here eventually. Brilliant. <laughs> well, I was expecting a lot longer from what you originally said, but I'm sure there's uh, areas we can delve into there. Firstly, um, I mean, congratulations to get to the position you're in, which you love. Thank you. Um, but you mentioned about the old man. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so um, I basically, uh, going back to Time Out, I was, you know, we, we write reviews, again, for those who are familiar with Time Out, 
Time Out does restaurant and bar reviews. It's always kind of been its bread and butter since its foundation. It began in London 50 years ago and they do starred reviews, which is another reason I kind of wanted to leave because I had so many industry friends and I hated like, you know, reviewing people's restaurants, the more industry friends I made, because it's quite, the industry is very tight in Hong Kong. Hong Kong's like a little big city. You know, there's a lot of us, there's 8 million people here, but it's so small that you tend to be quite tight with everyone, especially, you know, in F&B. Um, and I'd never given a five-star review um, because I'm, no, I wouldn't say like, I wasn't trying to be controversial, but, you know, nothing really ticked that five-star box until I went to the old man. Um, and I reviewed it and it blew my mind. Um, and I drank one of the cocktails, The Sun Also Rises, that's still on the menu to this day because of me because I insist that they never take it off. Um, and it is it's a popular one as well. Um, but yeah, so anyway, you know, wrote this five-star review and the guys, Gung, James and Roman all reached out to me and they said, oh, Holly's, you know, that was so nice. You know, we're just, we're breaking out on our own because they'd all come from hotel backgrounds and they were like, you know, it means so much. Um, and we're just really humble and nice about it. So I continued to drink there. Our friendship, you know, blossomed um, and I got pretty close to a Gung. And I, I left time out kind of in a bit of a whirlwind. I, I kind of walked out because I'd had enough. Um, that's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> I went to drown my sorrows at the old man. Well, I say drown my sorrows more, just sort of think like, what the fuck have I done? Um, and told a gung and jokingly I said, hey, do you, do, you want, do you want to give me a job? And he was like, yeah. Uh, looked at me in dead seriousness. I was like, oh, okay. He was like, well, when can you start? I was like, tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I, I was working for them and that was probably like, I, I sort of dabbled in bars, but that was some of the most bar experience I got and I absolutely loved it. Um, had so much fun. And I continued to do that into some of my time at drink as well, but it obviously got a bit much. So now I, I've been doing their social media as well. So now I just call myself the social media manager and the moonlighter because I sort of pop in and out. <laughs> Brilliant. It's a great bar for sure. We had them do a pop-up in Bangkok. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Amazing cocktails, they really are. So yeah, the pop-up, right. In terms of your role now, what's uh, what's the average day you have? I mean, probably not normal compared to last year, but what do you normally get up to in your role? Yeah, so um, again, like you said, things are a bit different. Um, and I've just moved out of uh, the city of Hong Kong into a more rural areas. It's definitely a lot more chilled. It's a better place to write. Um, but usually, I guess when I was in the city, you know, I would I'd get up, kind of roll to my desk because I was living in a 280 square foot apartment. So I didn't really have to commute very far because <laughs> um, I'm lucky enough. That I've, I've always worked from home, even pre-corona. Um, would sort of, yeah, roll to my desk, work. Um, I'm a boxer, so I try and get boxing in sort of every day, every other day, depending on how sore I was. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, bash out articles, deal with um, clients, um, liaise with my team in Shanghai. Uh, it doesn't sound very exciting, but then, you know, in the evenings, again, not every evening, but as much as I could or, you know, my liver could afford, I would go out and do the rounds and see people. I'm a very social being, so I like to be you know, out and about and saying hi to everyone um, and just supporting the industry. Um, but now I've moved a bit further out of the city. I try and sort of condense all my visits into one day, which has been a little bit harder at the moment because um, 
I don't know for those, you know, listening how much they know about what's been happening in Hong Kong, but obviously, you know, we've had a really tough year with the protests leading up to then coronavirus. Um, and then things were really good from sort of like May till, uh, to be honest, I've lost track of time, but there was a period after our first round of closures. I don't use the word lockdown because we ne we've never been into lockdown here, very luckily. Um, but yeah, we're just coming out of the third wave now. So I, yeah, I couldn't even tell you what my routine is. It, it ch changes with whatever the current COVID situation is, I think. Um, but yeah, of course, it usually involves writing. Um, and, you know, I conduct a lot of my work via Zoom or Skype or whatever. So it's good to, you know, because I cover all of Asia. So that's the way I communicate with people. And it's really good. But it's super frustrating now because, you know, if I'm commuting with, sorry, communicating with new people, I'm like, oh, I just want to go to your bar. Um, <laughs> like, I'm sure you know Ant from Tet Bar in Bangkok. Oh, yeah. um, we had a call um, the other day and I was just like, oh, I just want to come back to Bangkok so bad. Just want to go anywhere, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Well, if you come back to Bangkok and we open up again, definitely come visit me at Pin 31. That'd be good. Yes, definitely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so touching on that, uh, you know, what what are you most excited to do? Which bars would you like to visit first when the world is open again? Well, I guess, obviously, you have to go and see my family. <laughs> That's <course>. first and foremost. <laughs> But, um, you know, obviously being very lucky that I'm from London, I think for me, I've, I've lived abroad for 10 years and I never get homesick, but I think I am a little bit now just because I can't go home. Um, and also I was meant to go home. I haven't had a birthday at home in almost a decade and I was booked to go home this year um, and obviously couldn't. So, yeah, like I think home, but honestly, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be a while before I go anywhere near the UK just with how the West has handled coronavirus compared to the East. Um, yeah, but I difference. think I've got a feeling that Singapore is going to be one of the first places I can go to as well as mainland China. So obviously we'll be getting straight back to Shanghai and seeing my team. Um, there's a couple of new bars opened up there. Um, you know, Guangzhou is not too far from Hong Kong. So would love to go and see my boys at Hope and Sesame and they've just opened uh, Sanyu as well. Um, which is headed up by Jack Wing, who she's awesome. She competed when we did speed rack last year. I mean, that's a really, it's a tough question because I want to go everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, especially yeah. like a lot of my good friends are in Singapore and places like No Sleep Club, I've, I've been to and, you know, Hutch and Jun are good friends, but I, I felt like I only scratched the surface because they'd only just opened before things started to close down. So yeah, there's, there's going to be, as soon as we can travel, I'm going to, you know, my liver's going to have to harden up. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So obviously, um, we've had a lot of people on the show and there's been a bit of doom and gloom because of this year's events and how much of a struggle it's been for, for the industry as a whole. Um, but actually, I wanted to try and, try and change the topic a bit and ask you if there's any uh, positive things you've seen come out this year, despite the pandemic. Yeah, I think that there definitely has been and, you know, the re repercussions, whether they're positive and negative, will be seen for, you know, years to come now. But like you said, we must focus on the positives. And for me, I, you know, I, I said earlier, I don't really like kids, but I, I don't have a maternal instinct, don't really want kids. But like this instinct in me came out during coronavirus was like, I just want to help people, you know, mm. and I just want to do what I can, whether that was deliver helpful articles on drink, you know, because obviously Hong Kong, China, we all went through it 
earlier than everyone else. So sort of offering that help and foresight. Um, I think people are a lot more collaborative now. We're seeing like really cool things come out of Hong Kong. Like for example, I was just talking to uh, my bestie, Beckley Franks, who owns the Pontiac. Um, and she's done a collaboration with a restaurant here called Ando. Um, you know, basically they're doing her cocktails in the bar. So that's, that's good for her. It means that, you know, they're supporting a local business. The, the restaurant is supporting a local business as well. Um, and just like, I think that people have made friends in a different way. Um, like I said, you know, conducting a lot of our chats and talks and webinars online and everyone's formed these friendships. And it's just when we're able to see each other physically, it's going to be so crazy and intense, you know, because you're just desperate to see these people now. So I think people will be a lot more caring for each other. And again, not, I think in F&B, we do really care about each other, but it's yeah. going to be even more now, but God, that, the, again, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative. The party when everyone gets back together is going to be absolutely wild. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so, definitely. So, uh, talking about parties, actually, uh, we've got the Drink Awards coming up in November, right? So yes, we exciting. have. Would you like yeah. to talk about that? Of course, yeah. Another thing that I am semi gutted about because obviously, with it being in Shanghai and me being in Hong Kong. Um, at the moment we're planning for me not to be there which is super oh, disappointing man. and i am not shy to admit that i had a little cry about it the other day i, I think i would too <laughs> yeah like i love it this would have been my third one but look you know what are we on now we're we're mid-september drink awards is 23rd of november anything could happen right and like i said you know one of the first places i'll hopefully be able to go is mainland china um but you know obviously we're gonna have to scale back a little bit this year because we great usually have lots of great local talent but as well as that we'll have lots of great international and asia-based talent um doing pop-up bars and guest shifts um but you know the team has been great up in shanghai and this year we're adding on there was always a joke that we had the unofficial shanghai cocktail week so we thought well, why don't we make it official so this year we've got um uh, drink street and drink fest which is basically, you know, a load of booths that are going to take over a street in the center of Shanghai, um, in Jing'an, I think. Um, and yeah, lots of people popping up there. Um, but yeah, like I said, one thing that I'm super proud of as well for, for Asia voting, we've changed the way that people vote for their, their favorite bars and teams, because I think it's a bit like personally, you know, not naming any names, but I think it's a bit shit that a lot of awarding bodies haven't changed their voting systems, you know, so for, I managed the Asia Awards, which is best bar team in Asia, best bartender and best bar. Um, and I said that this year, you know, rather than basing your votes on who you visited or who you've seen, base it on who you admire, have, have admired during COVID and who's dealt with things well, or who's been, you know, a pillar of inspiration. So there's no rule, like you don't have to have gone to their bar um, within the last period of time or, you know, seen that person. It can just be, you know, you literally might've just seen that they're doing cool stuff on their IG, you know, and thought, wow, they're really helping their community or, you know, they're really sort of sticking two fingers up in the face of adversity and just plowing on ahead. So that's one thing that I'm super proud of, but, yeah, if it doesn't work out and I can't get up there, I will assemble the Hong Kong crew and we'll get our black ties and ball gowns on and have to zoom in and watch it that that way, I guess. <laughs> for sure. So for other people in Asia, how can they watch it? It's going to be a live show through Facebook? Yeah, we'll be streaming it. Um, mm. 
so we usually stream it through youtube um but obviously things i, I can't promise that this year but if you keep an eye um on our social media so at drink mag asia on ig and just drink magazine on facebook we'll be announcing a lot more leading up to that on the like i said the 23rd of november okay brilliant can't wait uh, so going back to the writing uh, can you name some of like the top articles you recommend our listeners to go read that you've written Oh, damn, you put me right on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, damn. Yeah, I'll have to think. I, I'm really bad because I write so much. I'm really bad at thinking about right. everything that's on the website. But I think some of the stuff that we did um, during COVID. So basically, if you go to the website, we have a little widget on the side um, that's got a, a link to all our sort of COVID content. Um, but one of my favorite pieces that I wrote recently was... Um, with Manakshi Singh, who's one of the co-founders of Sidecar in India. So they were the only bar from India to be on Asia's 50 this year and only the second bar to have ever made the list. So I just think that's amazing. I'm really fascinated with India's bar scene. I want to get to know it more. And in drink, we never really covered it before because obviously Asia is so huge and where do you, where do you draw the border, you know? So, but we made the decision, we noticed a lot of our readers were Indian, so we'd made the decision to start writing more about them and just listening to her story and her take on things and the stuff that they go through is just amazing and inspirational. Um, we also, my colleagues up in Shanghai did a great article um, called, called Voices from Wuhan, and it was about sort of recovery and how bartenders in Wuhan were dealing with stuff. Obviously, this was this was early Corona when they had just started to come out of it. Um, and, you know, and like I said, just nice things like how Asia's bar industry is helping their communities during COVID-19 shutdowns, because like I said, it was just, it's nice to remember that everyone's trying to help each other and, you know, support their own community and support each other. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, and it's been really nice to just write about, we're starting to see new, like the green shoots of new venues, you know, so I use, there's so many venues usually opening and recently I just uh, updated new venues in Asia that are opening and that was really nice because it was like, oh, hey, you know, we're starting to recover. Things are starting to happen. Um, so just read everything, I guess, is my answer. Everything's great. <laughs> <on drink. laughs> Good. Well, for the for the listeners, I'll put that in the show notes, a couple of those articles. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're, you're quite active in the industry. You, you hear from a lot of people uh, all over Asia as well. So... It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on the future of the drink scene, um, maybe by country, because saying just Asia is quite quite a broad brush. But um, I mean, let's start with Hong Kong. Where do you see that going after recovery? You know, is there anything that's kind of uh, been developing further or any sort of trends you see happening? Um, yeah, like I said, so, you know, I, I love Hong Kong. It's my home um, and it's been a real, real rough ride. Um, but we have uh, just started to see, again, new venues open here. So um, my friends have opened their bar, The Daily Tot, uh, which is a rum-focused rum bar. And just for me, that was amazing. They opened, they planned to open in July, just as things started to shut down again. Um, so, you know, just, I think at the moment, Hong Kong is just, again, plowing through that adversity and doing what we can. Um, so it, it's really hard to say. I, don't, I think Hong Kong will still be, you know, and again, I hate to sound biased, but it will be one of the leading cocktail scenes. I just don't think we're going to see many new bars here for a while, unfortunately. Um, 
but we still, you know, hopefully our stores will stand firm, like, you know, like the old man and Caprice and lobster bar and things like that. Um, and yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to see how it goes really. Fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and how about say Singapore or Thailand? Cause you come to, you said you used to live in Thailand, right? So you must know Bangkok pretty well. Yeah, I mean, so when I lived in Thailand, I lived in Lotbury. Um, so I would come oh, yeah. to Bangkok. Okay. Yeah, I'd come to Bangkok, I don't know, maybe once or twice a month at the weekends because um, it's about, what, three hours on the bus, I think. Mm. Um, but if I'm honest with you, I, was on, I wasn't on the best wages and it was really before the scene started to take off. This was like 2000, like early 2011. Um, oh, right. So... For the, for the Thai listeners out there, I was partying in places like Route 66 and things like that. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know, does that even still exist anymore? I think it's gone now, actually. Oh, it's a shame. Um, but no, like, I think that one bar that always, always just hits the mark for me is Asia Today. I think it's such an underrated bar in Bangkok. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, obviously we were just talking earlier about Tet Bar and talking to Ant there, I know that there's just a lot of difficulties to get around in Thailand. I know that people find their ways around them, but I just think, and you know, I keep seeing Nick Sanuman keeps getting arrested. (laughs) (laughs) He's had such a hard time. Yeah. I know, but until, I think until those laws, until people don't have to go under the table or be dodgy with those laws, it will hold things back. But it doesn't mean that, you know, Thailand is a great scene. And again, it looks like you guys have had some cool stuff with, filtration and paradise lost i absolutely cannot wait to visit paradise lost um looks super cool and like just a really out there idea with its like uh post-apocalyptic you know it feels a bit close to home now having a post-apocalyptic theme um but yeah like i think you know obviously hong kong and singapore and to some extent shanghai have always been looked at the leaders but i think that you know bangkok is not far behind at all yeah, it's all grown really fast over the last couple yeah, of years. Really and even even this year, there's so many bars popping up. Um, you mentioned Filtration and Shah, I was with him the other day. He's got a new bar opening in the Saturn. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite surprising, but I do agree. Also, uh, bless Nick's, he's had so much trouble. And it's because, uh, you know, the laws are quite, they're very anti-drinking over here. Yeah. And it, it's a very archaic way of, um, that's just been set in their ways for a long time, but... I think I think the general consumer are being a bit more understanding now, so hopefully That's we'll good. see it easier. Mm. Yeah, and it's good to have a champion like Nix who you know speaks up and fights like for everyone. That's you know, that's just who he is. an awesome dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what do you normally drink when you go out and you hit the bars? Uh, it will change. It will sort of change, you know, every now and then, but like. My go-to is usually uh, a Gibson, but I'm really weird. I think it's the the Polish genes in me. I, I really like <laughs> quite a dirty Gibson. So, you know, traditionally you wouldn't really put brine in a Gibson, but I, you know, I like a good good 15 ml plus <laughs> of onion brine. Oh, wow, okay. In my yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just love it. Um, <laughs> I really like... You know, because of people like Nix and um, Ashish Sharma at Bar Trigona, I'm super into honey as well. So for oh, yeah, me, yeah. if someone has a local honey, I love like to have a bee's knees because it just, it you know, that one ingredient can change the profile of a drink so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so bee's knees is always good. Always, you know, I am that industry cliche of I do genuinely love Finette. Um, so everything will always <laughs> be a shot of Finette. But yeah. honestly, at the moment, like, 
because bars have been sort of closed or on and off, um, I'm really just into wine more than I ever thought I would be. But I think it's been good using these shutdowns has been a great time for me to sort of educate myself on wine because, you know, when I go to cocktail bars, I don't go to drink wine, but we are definitely starting to get more wine bars pop up here. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really not too fussy to be honest. I like everything, you know, and it also depends what time of the night it is or how drunk I am. Sometimes you just need a good refreshing daiquiri at the end of the night. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So during that, you said you didn't have a lockdown, but you had like a closed down period. Were you doing much um, making drinks at home? Do you have a good setup? I can imagine you must do. Yeah, um, we're still working on that because like I said, we moved, I think it's been about two months now. And um, my fiance and I, because uh, he also works in the bar industry, um, we had a lot of booze in our old place. But you know, when you have like annoying quarter of a bottle and you're saving it and this and that. Um, so we sort of, before we moved to save carrying all that, all those sort of dregs, we drank all that. So we're kind of reinstating our home bar at the moment. Um, but what were we drinking? Yeah, we, we actually did drink a few martinis at home, but martinis are so dangerous to make at home because you end up making giant ones. Like, <laughs> they're just not normal servings and you end up like shit faced after two, you know. So, in the comfort um, of your own home. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we just picked up some uh, scallywags have just done another Hong Kong limited edition bottle. So they only make 80, um, sorry, 800 bottles. So we just picked that up. But again, it's another one that I'm like, oh, I don't want to open it yet. And Hong Kong summer isn't really conducive to drinking whiskey. So yeah, still working on that. Lots of margaritas as well, always. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. I mean, martinis are our go-to thing at home as well, because we just stick the bottle in the freezer and then pour. Exactly. So, very yeah. easy. So uh, apart from the Drink Awards in November, uh, what else can we look forward to from Drink Magazine? I noticed that there's been a few updates, right, in terms of the structure. Yeah. So we're basically um, boosting up our different brands that we already kind of had, but rather than you know, basically we're giving them a name. So one of them that I'm quite proud of was Drink Together, which was something, um, you know, we did these online webinars with people. And then, you know, we were like, what, rather than have it as a one-off thing or this lockdown thing, you know, we can make it into a series and things like that. Um, we also have um, our eco bars, which is super exciting, um, which hopefully, you know, we'll start to see more of, which is um, again, this is more from the Shanghai team, so I'm not as savvy on it as they are, but we basically got uh, eco-conscious bars. So rather than, you know, when you do an event, you obviously have a bar and you build it and you break it down um, and it's a lot of wastage. So we've built these bars that can be easily packed and rebuilt, but also customized. So they have like different sliding panels and things like that to minimize all that wastage, basically. Um, so, you know, we're definitely like looking a bit more at our sustainability and and just sort of like, I think that we've always been in touch with the community, but just trying to be a bit more, I don't know what the right word would be, but, you know, looking more at, like I said, these webinars, so like more education, wellness, uh, sustainability, just being more um, all round, I guess, <laughs> whether that's like physically or mentally or for the environment as well. Yeah, we're just trying to, round ourselves out because you know it's covid you gotta add more strings to your bow or you won't survive <laughs> yeah yeah well, honestly drink magazine is such a great resource and you've obviously done so much of that to, to build it as it is so thank you 
Um, no for... Thank you to everyone for reading it and for those who voted for us at Spirited as well. Of course, of course, well deserved. And for for the listeners who maybe would want to be interested in getting into a career uh, in writing for Drink Magazine or any other publication, what would you recommend the right steps are to take? Yeah, I mean, sort of throwing back to what I said earlier, it's it's not easy. Any any kind of media job, you're never going to get paid well. I think that, you know, my, my friends and family back home think that I live this glamorous lifestyle, but we all know that, you know, we can curate our IGs quite well. <laughs> but also, I'm just very lucky that my job does involve going to good venues and, you know, experiencing great hospitality. But yeah, you have to be expected, you have to expect not to be paid much. You're going to have to work a lot for free. I think the main thing is portfolio Um, and often this sounds really harsh, but often a lot of people will pitch ideas to me and they clearly haven't even read drink. You know, they clearly haven't got an idea of our tone or what we write about. Like say for example, they'll pitch me consumer articles like, I don't know, top 10 Californian wines to drink. And it's like, well, if you read drink magazine, you know, we don't really post things like that and we don't really write about wine. So my advice would be, to people, you know, I guess youngsters or anyone getting into writing is know, know who you're pitching to, um, nail it, be unique, because you, you are going to have to stand out. It's noisy out there as it is with most industries um, and just boost up that portfolio. Um, and like I said, expect to write a few things for free. I often think find that a lot of people come to me and they're like, I want to write for you. And I'm like, great. And then that's it, you know, because I think... <laughs> Yeah, especially a lot of my bar friends, they want me to sort of be like, oh, hey, why don't you write about this? And I, you know, I've already got my own ideas. I don't need, I I need you to come at me with ideas. So yeah, just, and always just make notes of stuff. I'm really bad. And it's only until recently that I've just got a working Google document of like stories to work on because you'll often find, especially, you know, when you're with your pals and maybe you've had a few drinks, you'll talk about these ideas and it will build in something. So just always keep on top of that, keep notes and remember you know especially those drunken ideas because you might wake up the next day and be like hey that was actually you know that might be worth it (laughs) true completely agree note taking is so important really i've got like four books on the go (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to wrap up really soon holly and once again thanks for joining but i I do like to ask my guests as well about their their funny pets they have or in your case funny name so you've got a really lovely cat right called Zelda. Zelda, yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Zelda. I've even got the Triforce. For those who don't know, it's uh, it's a Nintendo game and uh, it's amazing. So <laughs> yeah, why? Uh, how long have you had your cat for? So she's only just, oh, she'll be about almost three and a half months now. So she's super cute still, but she's a bit of a terror. Um, I, I've always been a cat person and I've always, I've also got a lucky cat tattooed to me and my plan is to get a Triforce tattoo above the lucky cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I said this to you before uh, that naming my cat Zelda was kind of just another excuse to get a Triforce tattoo. <laughs> but no, she's super cute. She was a rescue from uh, the SPCA here and she was being fostered by some neighbors of ours um, like, who are good friends. And they said, oh, she's amazing. You know, they, basically they don't have their own cats. They only foster. And they said, oh, she's the only cat that we've considered taking for ourselves, but we don't know if we should and blah, blah, blah. Um, And she also moved to the village that we now live in on the same day. So we felt like affiliated to her. And the poor little thing was like half dead with cat flu. She was tiny. Her eyes were all, you know, stuck together. And she's just turned into this beautiful, crazy, 
way too intelligent, way too strong kitten. Like she just, she's always opening drawers and pulling stuff out. And yeah, she's just terrorizing us, but mate, she's so cute. So she gets away with it. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, Holly, once again, thanks for joining on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything you want to say to the listeners before you go? Maybe any words of encouragement or, or uh, anything about the Drink Awards? Yeah, uh, like I said, just want to reiterate, you know, thank you to everyone who reads Drink Magazine. Um, I know that it's hard to think of magazines like this, especially when you're in the bar industry, but we're a small company too, and we're, we've been struggling much as ever, everyone else has been during coronavirus. So, you know, to everyone who supports us and reads us, that really means a lot. You know, as much as you should support your local bar, support your local mag as well, um, or publication. Um and yeah, thanks to everyone who voted. And you know, we are we're here as advocates for you as well. Um, we want to champion our industry to make sure that everyone else survives as well. And you know, we know that us just writing articles isn't going to keep bars alive, but it's just it's our way of being like, come on, we got this, especially in tough times like this. And I hope that you know it's been interesting, but I hope we can go back to regular programming very soon. Thank you so much, Holly. Keep up the amazing work, really. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Okay, that was it. Holly, once again, thanks for joining. And guys, I really hope you enjoyed the show. And please, if you do love us and what I do, uh, give me a subscribe, follow, share, and just spread the love and the joy. Stay safe, guys, and see you all next week for another episode of On The Bad Bar. Ciao, ciao.